You are listening to episode number 58 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fit Successful Dad podcast. I am your host. My name is Gordon. And if this is your first time listening, you might be wondering what Fit Successful Dad is and what that really means. And it's not me. It is a avatar that I associate myself with and I think that everybody can associate themselves with. And it's an avatar that represents greatness. I encourage you to go back to episode 57 and listen to the breakdown in more detail of what that really means and what I believe in. Um, So today's guest is someone that I've been friends with actually for uh, about three years now. He's He's a great guy. He's a father of two and he's married um, his son and my son actually play hockey together and have for uh, about three years now so that's actually how I met him he is also the owner of a CrossFit gym CrossFit 1620 in Plymouth Massachusetts and he's a coach there not just an owner he's heavily involved in that community And one of the reasons I want to have him on here is because it's Outlook. So Jim and I, we share some insane similarities regarding positivity and optimism and our outlook on on life and an outlook on how we kind of approach raising our kids and uh, some of the environments that we like to create for our families and really a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, So anyway, this interview is awesome. I, I love... A lot of the topics we were able to hit on, and I think that as a listener, you are going to get a ton of value out of it. So, uh, without further ado, let me turn this over to Jim Carrera. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today we have Jimmy Carrera in the house. He's a, he's actually a really good friend of mine. Um, like I said earlier, my son and his son have played hockey together for a number of years. We've become pretty good friends. My family knows his family. I know his daughter. I know his wife. Uh, so it's, it's become a pretty good relationship. And he's here now. He, uh, he has a really, really cool story. And through learning a lot about Jimmy uh, over the years, I have I've come to, to find out that he's him and I share a lot of similarities when it comes to things like positivity looking at life with uh, like opportunistic viewpoints and perspectives and uh, just a great guy. I think you guys are going to learn a lot from listening to him. So uh, he's here now. He's actually the first interview we've had in the studio, which is pretty cool. So, uh, so Jimmy, why don't you take a second, introduce yourself a little bit, elaborate on some of the stuff I said, and uh, like everybody else, take a second and tell everybody what you're excited about, man. Yeah, man. It's awesome. Um, really excited to be the first one in in-person interview. Um, yeah, so as Alex said, uh, my name is Jim Carrera. Uh, I'm actually from Plymouth originally. Uh, and as Alex said, uh, we met through our uh, two boys actually playing hockey together. Uh, someday they may be on the, the Boston Bruins ice together, which would be pretty <laughs> cool. Um, so a little little quick history on myself. Um, like I said, from Plymouth. Um, after uh, graduating high school, uh, actually before graduating high school, I kind of had the plan that I was going to... Um, go down to Florida and I was actually going to work uh, for Disney and they had something called the Disney College Program. And what that was basically is while I was in school, I was going to um, work for them and then through that they have a whole program and basically set you up so that you're kind of an intern 
So I'm not really familiar with this. So you were going to work like at the Disney park? I honestly, it could have been anything. Yeah. So you could be working at like a fast food part of Disney. You could be an errand boy for one of the business buildings that's down in Disney. Okay. Uh, it was basically um, wherever they wanted to place you. Uh, luckily, I had a family member that worked for Disney at the time. So I was kind of hoping I was going to get, I wasn't going to be serving ice cream. Yeah. Um, but it, it intrigued me. Uh, my mother was living down in Florida at the time. Um, and I thought it was a, a pretty good opportunity. Talked to a couple other kids while I was down there that were doing it and they liked it. Um, so as a junior in high school, that was my plan. Uh, it kind of hindered a lot of my decisions and what I was doing because I thought I had the world figured out. <laughs> of course, you know, every 16 or sure, 17 man. year old has the world figured out, but, um, Needless to say, that uh, that actually didn't happen. <laughs> I, uh, I graduated high school, and uh, I went into my freshman year of college at Four C's down the Cape. Four C's. Took my, all my freshman prerequisites and uh, did all of that. And I think I finished like my second or third uh, semester and was working. I was making a lot of money. I don't want to say a lot of money, but I was making good money for someone my age. I had pretty good work ethic, so I was always taking overtime. I worked at a grocery store slash deli slash gas station, a family friend on the business actually here in Plymouth. Um, so, uh, moved out on my own, had my own apartment, brand new car at 18. Um, and just kind of decided I'm going to be an adult now and I'm going to live <laughs> on my own and do this whole thing. So, um, basically that kind of led into, um, meeting somebody that worked for a, a concrete precast company. And I just said, well, maybe I don't want to work in a you know, family-owned grocery store anymore, uh, time for a change. So I went and applied and started working at this place, and I'll never forget the first day being in a hot, steamy piece of concrete and saying to myself, what did I do? Um, what were you, like 19, 20 at this point? Uh, yeah, uh, I was probably 21, 22 maybe at that point. At, um, okay. Yeah, probably 21, 22. Um, and uh, needless to say, I... I Kind of worked my way through the ranks, did everything for the company. Uh, the company actually grew. Uh, luckily, we built a new plant, and I became the plant manager. Um, handled a lot of stuff for them, learned a lot, and I said, all right, well, this is my career. This is what I'm going to do. I'm doing really well for myself. Uh, all through that, met my wife that I'm obviously married to now. Uh, had two beautiful kids, um, and that was my kind of, that's, I was set up. I figured that's that was it for me, and that, that's what my life was going to be. Um, and always, as I, as we discussed earlier, that I always felt that because I didn't ever finish school, because I wasn't that straight A student, I always felt like I was never going to be good enough to have that six figure job with a company truck and everything that you kind of, that, that American dream that everyone yeah, talks yeah, about, right? The, the white dream. picket fence and <laughs> the, the wife and the kids and the wife that doesn't work. Uh, I just, and I don't even know if saying that I didn't think I was good enough was, is the right word. Um, I just always was like, all right, I guess I'll settle for this because this is probably as good as I'm going to do. Um, and that actually, um, but I, all while thinking that, it was strange because I probably should have gone to psychiatrist because always having that thought in my mind, I always envisioned myself doing something better. Like I always had a thought, I could, I could always picture myself doing something else. Like when I was a laborer working for MBO Precast, I envisioned myself being the manager running the load or doing things. I always like saw it happening. Yeah. yeah. And then it happened. Um, <laughs> I mean, you could go off in a tangent as we oh, talked we gotta, about. We got to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, 
you know, and, you know, positive thoughts brings positive things. And it's not to say that, you know, I'm going to win the lottery and then you all of a sudden you're going to win the lottery. Uh, a little different. Um, and then while working at MBO, um, you know, networking and talking to guys, suppliers and stuff like that, I created a great relationship with um, the company that we use for our ad mixtures. So just a, but basically to brief that, this chemicals go into concrete nowadays. So that's, we use the supply, the supplier uh, BASF. Um, and the supply, the sales rep used to come down all the time, used to joke with me and say, oh, you should come work for us someday. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then of course, there goes the seed. It's dropped. And I always imagine, imagine myself be like, wow, that'd be really cool. Like you got freedom, you sales rep and you go around and I'm like, I'm a people person. I know how to talk to people. Dude, I'm going to jump in here for a second yeah. because I actually just released a, an episode on this. Um, it's funny you bring this up because I'm a big believer that if you are able to believe in something and envision it and like, force yourself to think about it and force yourself to see yourself in that situation down the road that you will naturally execute on that without thinking about it anymore. And that will become the path that you, you start hiking down and that, that thing that you envision yourself doing becomes your reality. Very true. And I think it's not, I don't even like to use the word force yourself to see yourself in those situations. I feel like it's almost something that just subconsciously happens um for me at least like it wasn't it wasn't forced i feel well, like i wasn't it depends forced on the thoughts. it might depend on the goal um yeah a lot, a lot of people don't have the confidence to like actually believe they can see themselves in a situation yep but they can they can say the words out loud mm -hmm. they can like take a second and force that image into their mind so that it becomes something that they they can see like in the mind's eye yeah you know maybe maybe they don't have the confidence or maybe they don't believe themselves you know maybe they're young right and they yep. haven't experienced like a success for right. the first time so they don't have that belief in themselves but um but either way yeah maybe maybe this subconscious like you described yeah you know and it's easier for some people but and i don't know if this is like universal uh like energy coming together like a metaphysical thing or law of attraction or whatever but it's like if you uh, put that out there in the in the in the environment in the universe. You just I I feel like you can, you can constantly start executing on that and working towards it, and it becomes your reality. So I'm curious when the, you know I know this is like a just a, a job. You know it's not like necessarily something you built, but it was something prestigious in your mind, right? That you went towards. So you got you were working with this chemical supplier, and he put that idea out there for you, and you started um, you started envisioning it so to speak, right? Envisioning it in your yeah. mind's eye. You started, how did you start like working towards that? So basically that went on for probably the relationship grew a lot more over probably I would say a five year span. Um, probably two years leading up to uh, a great time was really kind of joking about it and talking about it. And then um, one day uh, this, he called me and he said, uh, he sent me an email and it had a link on it and it was a link to, um, their, co the company's, um, human resources page where they were posting the job. Yeah. Yeah. And so I called him, I said, what is that? And he said, well, they're, they're going to add headcount and you're the guy. I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm the guy. He said, well, there's one internal candidate that already works for the company up at headquarters. And you know, Brian is the area sales man, you know, area sales leader. And, you know, it's up to him to find a guy and he wants the right guy for the job, not somebody that's going to force, you know, be forced on him. So I, uh, you know, 
I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is really happening. And I will tell you that at that point in my life, I, as I said to you before, I just, I never, I never imagined that that opportunity was going to present itself. I knew I had good work ethic. I knew that I had um, a good head on my shoulders and I was good at what I did. And even something I didn't know how to do, I would learn and, and be great at it or to be the best I could at it. Um, but I felt like my actions as a, at a younger age of not finishing school, not having the best grades were going to always kind of hinder me or, or just hold me back. Uh, and for the first time in my life, it was like, wow, my hard work and like the old school, like brute, <laughs> like how my grandfather used to say, like hard work was like, wow, this is actually paying off. It wasn't just because I had a degree and not to take anything away from people that have degrees because there's some very intelligent people out there and I work with them on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but it was very cool for me at a young age to understand that, wow, I worked hard for something and after 10 years of busting my butt, it really paid off. Yeah, man. And uh, so long story short, uh, I went out and interviewed at headquarters with like four or five of the higher-ups for BASF Construction Chemicals. Uh, I beat out the candidate for... Um, for the job that was already working for the company and I actually had the highest praise from his boss who I thought I was going to have everyone thought I'd have the worst time with in the interview uh, she actually said hands down there's no question Jim's the guy for the job um, so right off the bat it was like very overwhelming like I have a company truck I've got a company credit card and I'm just like this great salary and I'm like this is this is amazing and now that was, so April had been, this past April has been three years with, with the company. Um, and uh, it's been really good. I mean, I, lo- I actually wake up every day and I love going to work. I love my job. Um, without going into crazy detail, I just, I can do something different every day. I could be in a suit in a meeting with the owner of a high-rise construction project in Boston uh, or I could be covered in chemical fixing a, a dispenser one day. <laughs> and I like that. I like being a jack of all trades. I like um, showing that value to my customers. Um, and it was, uh, so like I said, it's just been, it's been really cool, very surreal. It's changed my outlook of now I'm like, oh, I'm just going to think, think that way forever. You know, I'm going to say to myself, look, I can see myself maybe being the area manager someday. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's, uh, it's kind of, started i guess that would my mother actually just asked me recently when did you start changing all the when did all this positive thinking all start <laughs> and she's like it, it it started when you changed your job didn't it and i said you know what mom you're right that's exactly when it started um so since since then uh we i have since partnered up with uh two other guys um we should probably warn the audience that you and i are going to go off into a million tangents but yeah. So before I think, before I think, I know where you're going here. So, so you you got this job. You said it's a uh, one of the requirements is a degree. You don't have a degree, correct? And it's it's really the type of position that you never really saw yourself in because you didn't have any well the education and like the training and maybe even the networking to get there. But you generated all of that. You generated the experience, which is, in my opinion, more important than education anyway. Yeah. I think theory, I have two degrees, man, and I, you know, I know a lot of guys in my field that have three degrees, and I uh, I would put someone with experience yeah. uh, ahead of all of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm well respected in my area because of the hands-on experience that I had. Um, people that have degrees are all sort of respected, but in this area, it's very old school, very, uh, a lot of companies are owned by families, so it's, it's, 
I'm kind of fit the mold perfect for this area. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. The other thing you said that I really liked was, and I think a lot of people resonate with, is um, you would take on a challenge of something you didn't know how to do or you didn't understand, and you would figure it out. Yep. And like that's something that I think a lot of people don't do. A lot of people, yeah. that's what sets them back. It's kind of tied into that belief. They believe they can't do it, I guess, maybe. Or that they're lazy, perhaps. But it's like, there's there's always going to be, a, to get to that next level, whatever it is, there's always going to be that piece that you just need to figure out. You just need to figure it out. No one can hand you that blueprint. Yeah. Right? And it sounds like, you know, you, you kind of envision yourself getting this job, which is cool. But there was there was challenges along the way, and you just figured out how to learn the thing you needed to learn or understand the system or the process that you needed to understand mm-hmm. and and did it and got through it. Yeah, and I'm so I'm, I grabbed my phone here because I have, I took a picture of a sign the other day driving and I want to get the words right because it was uh, it was really cool and it basically in a roundabout way talks about um, whatever decisions you make today make sure they affect you positively in the future or and I'll look for it but it's basically that's around but basically what the point was and that I looked at it and I said I've been doing that <laughs> for the last like five or six or like ten years yeah right so like you talk about you know you envision yourself doing something and it's not I feel like people are like ah that's like that crazy mind stuff that people try to get people to buy into and it's like no man it's not it's not it's really it's not real. it's yeah. actually really easy to do like <laughs> so it's simple. not that hard it is so <laughs> simple because you if you tell yourself even in your mind you don't say it out loud to anybody every action you take you don't realize it but it's moving you in that direction right and there's a lot of core values that you have to have and you know everybody's got different personalities but I just, it's amazing to me how many people like just don't see that and understand how easy it is. Yeah. It is not hard. It's not. At all. It's not. You know? <laughs> it's not. It's like, I wish I could like just travel around the country and talk to people about that. There's a discipline factor there though, dude, that um, people just don't, a lot of people just don't have. They just don't have the ability. Yeah. For whatever reason, they hold themselves back and they just, um, they can't get past that. Totally agree. You know? They can't lock in and do what needs to be done to move to that next level. Exactly, and so, I can't find it. Of course, that's all right. We'll on the spot, later. right? Uh, but so you, all right. So you, so you, you have a job. It's a good paying job. You yep. love what you, what you do, which is I awesome. Do. I mean, that's that right there is is pretty cool. Um, but you are also the co-owner of a CrossFit gym, CrossFit sixteen twenty, and um, I know you guys started talking about that a couple of years ago. Why don't you tell us that story? Yeah, so uh, I've been doing CrossFit for since two thousand eight. I would say. Um, so another big thing that you and I have in common is um, health and fitness. Uh, it's it's a very, very, very important part of my life, my wife's life, and even my kids. Yep. Um, I, we live our days by it. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. So my wife and I are both gym goers, uh, your regular global gyms, and we... Um, we were conscious of what we ate, but you know, I wish it's like that old phrase. Like I wish I knew then what I know now. Um, and it was the bodybuilding, the heavy weightlifting type of type of stuff. And, you know, still drinking on the weekends and eating whatever you want. Cause we were young, early twenties, you know? Um, and, uh, right 
when, right before we got married, I kind of, I had a friend that talked about CrossFit. And he was, I'm like, what is CrossFit? And I'm looking at the website. And I'm like, this looks like a bunch of Marines that are just, built, <laughs> like, they were born that way, right? They were born to do 150 pull-ups. So I kind of dabbled in it. And um, so make a long story short, I got into it. I did it on my own for a couple of years, actually at a, a Globo gym. Uh, and then I joined uh, a CrossFit affiliate. Uh, immediately loved the camaraderie, the, the community, the people that I met. Um, loved what they had going on. Um, then I moved, I moved to a different gym down the Cape. Um, and I started training. I don't even like to say competitively because it wasn't competitively. I was following a competitor's training. Uh, I was in a good time in my life where my wife was okay with it. <laughs> uh, it was pre, <clears throat> you know, pre kids. Uh, was that very demanding on the schedule? Uh, yes. So it was, uh, we were training Mondays, Tuesdays, active recovery on Wednesdays, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, complete off, get away from the gym on Sunday. Uh, and each training session started at 4.30 a.m. and went till about 10 past quarter after 7. So that's good warm-up, mobility, yeah. strength, conditioning, and uh, a whole bunch of work. So I did that for close to a year, um, sustained a, a couple of injuries, and I think, I actually, I know for a fact that a lot of the injuries were from previous years of not knowing how to lift properly and wear and tear because CrossFit is a sport. It's, it's, not, it's a little different. Um, and I, you know, my kids were young and they were growing up and I was, I'll never forget one day I was training with my friend Shane that, uh, him and I used to train together and we had, we used to train in the morning and this, this woman came in and she's like, oh, these, these, she's introducing us to somebody else. And she's like, these guys, these are, these guys are crazy. They, they do all this crazy stuff like that we'll never be able to do. And it, Alex, it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> um, and it was like, I looked right at her and I said, what makes you think that you couldn't do this? And she just looked at me, and this woman was probably late 30s, early 40s, just would come in. She was in decent shape. She, you know, um, I said, if you put the time in and you and you want it, you absolutely could do all of this. I couldn't do any of this when I started. And now I'm doing it because I wanted it. It was something I wanted. I went after it, and I've succeeded. Um, I could take it even further, but unfortunately, life gets in the way, and I'm not getting a check from Rogue or Reebok or CrossFit. So <laughs> reality had to kick in at some point. Um, and instantly at that point, I f said to myself, I want to coach people and train them in CrossFit. Because, and it was instantly because of the thought of these, these people that don't think they can do these things. So I approached the gym owner and I said, I'm thinking of going to get my L1. He's like, that's funny. I was going to ask you a couple weeks ago if you'd be going, willing to go get your L1 because I want you to coach here. So, needless to say, I went and got my L1, and uh, I passed, thank God, <laughs> um, and I came back and started coaching, um, and instantly it became, um, my own fitness actually took a, a back seat, and I told Mike, the owner, I said, look, I'm going to, um, I'm willingly understanding that m my own fitness has taken a back seat. When I walk into this door, I am a coach first, and then an athlete. Um, so, long story short, uh, I coached there for a couple of years. Um, and then once again, that seed dropped and said, you know what? <laughs> I live in an area where we need a CrossFit gym. There's no competition. I, we, I mean, the housing is huge around. Uh, I think I'd be really good at it. I just need some help. I need somebody else that wants to do it with me. And, um, through developing friendships at, at, uh, the gym that I was at, uh, we jokingly talked about opening one. And before you know it, we were looking at a piece of land and talking to the developer who was building the building and then we had another meeting and said well what if we wanted to do this he said i think that's great 
So needless to say, we built a CrossFit gym, a brand new building. Um, basically, it was a commercial building with bays. Because everybody, anybody that knows anything about CrossFit, it's like <laughs> it's a box with a bay door. And um, so we built the business. It's it uh, it morphed itself into CrossFit sixteen twenty. Um, and so I'm partners with two other guys. So there's six of us total, husband and wives. Um, we all bring a little something different to the table as far as past experiences, what we do for the business now. Um, and we just had our one year anniversary on July 5th. So we are actually have celebrating that on Friday. Uh, we're actually having a big party at the gym, big cookout. Um, so it's, uh, it's been difficult on time and demand, uh, with life, wife, kids work. Um, but I will tell you that every day I wish there was a way that I could just give up everything else and just do that because do I that. know how successful it would be. Um, there's obviously some security in my regular job. I'm sure. lucky enough to have some freedom, uh, and there's plenty of us to kind of split the work up. Um, but it's, I will tell you that it's a very rewarding thing to get into. Like I, on a daily basis, I just, the way you see you affect people and what you draw to people. And, and it's not just because what I think I did for somebody, it's what people are telling me. Um, it's been a really cool experience. Like from being a coach? Uh, yeah. Even, and it's not just from being a coach on the floor for the hour that I have the athletes. It's talking to them before, talking to them after. It's I know their kids' names. Uh, I know their deepest, darkest secrets sometimes. They open up and they talk about... I've had everything from... I We have a, a gentleman right now who... Um, basically went into such severe depression and anxiety that he would not leave his house for like two years. Um, he'd go see family and stuff like that, but I mean, he was in a bad way when he came to us. He couldn't spend more than 10 minutes in the gym before he had he'd build up so much anxiety that he's, he'd just leave. Um, and I would tell you to this day, he now comes in and voluntarily just cleans the gym, cleans the bathrooms, mops the floor, <laughs> works out five days a week. His wife now comes. Uh, and he is high-fiving people, introducing himself to people. People come in for the first time. He's like, you got to come in and you got to do this. And <laughs> to just sit back and watch this, it literally brings a tear to your eye. Because That's it's amazing. like, I yeah. made, we made, and I don't want to say I because it was we. We made that his life, like we did that. Yeah. We provided something for him and did that. And don't get me wrong, he did all the work. He actually had to physically do all the work. But the fact that I was able to assist him and provide something for him or an outlet for him yeah, to find. Yeah, outlet. You create an environment for him. Man, it's it's. It I would tell supportive. you, like, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up just yeah. thinking about it. Because it's just a very, <laughs> when you, the first time, it's it's cool when you you feel a lot of people say it's it's nice to do things nice things for people, but when you actually do something like that, it's money, tangible things, none of it compares to that. So, I'm curious. I'm trying to think of the way to word this. Is that, is that type of thing? Because I've heard I've heard CrossFit gym owners talk about the fulfillment they get from the community that they put together over time being the ultimate reason why they stay with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't, I haven't really heard any like, like regular, I don't know, global gym, you call it right. Global gym right. owners talk about that, but this is specific. And I don't even do CrossFit, but I've heard CrossFit people talk about that. Yeah. Um, would you say that having impacted that, that guy's life and, and, you know, probably some other people who go to the gym that, uh, that the fulfillment from that would outweigh like whatever amount of money you're, you're taking out of the, the company now or whatever, you know, whatever revenue you're getting from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, 
right now being a year in basically we have i you know we've not drawn any money from it we keep reinvesting into it because we're growing okay we're so more you members. are you are okay but there is a profit there oh absolutely yeah. yes but okay. we are reinvesting we're buying more equipment to and we've since um we have we moved into a bigger space already uh we doubled our space floor space no, that's cool uh so we went from 1300 square feet we now have a little over 3000 um Every day we have basically what's called an elements class, and that is to teach people the movements. We need people moving safely and understanding what we're going to do before they come into a regular class. Uh, and I can count on one hand in a year how many of those classes have been empty. And it's maybe only been one person, <laughs> but it's not been empty. I can literally count on one hand on how many elements classes we've had where nobody has showed up. And that's every single day? That is on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Okay. So it's two nights a week. Yeah. Uh, it's a four-week program. Um, so the fact that that keeps happening yeah. uh, in any business, pe things are going to come and go. People's lives get in the way. Um, you know, we are, I don't want to say we're, I have to use the word different, but we, I would take, I tell everybody, I would take 250 people that are either over, severely overweight, depressed, um, having anxiety issues, any of those crazy things going on, I would take those people over a, a stud college athlete that came out that wants to go to the CrossFit Games. And it's not to say that I would turn that stud away. Um, the, the, the fulfillment and what you get out of getting that person to understand, like, you know what? You can do exactly what that stud is doing and what he can do. You just don't think you can right now, which is the number one rule in our gym right now is I better never hear you say I can't do something. There's a little story and behind every, that, right? Oh, absolutely. Every, <laughs> and everybody that comes in knows, and once you're a member and you've been there for a little while, everybody knows not to say it. And when they somebody says it, even the member, I don't even have to enforce it anymore. <laughs> My own members enforce, don't say that. Uh, I just had a, 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 teen, a group of teens, they're probably all 12, 13, and 14 years old. They came in for the first class, and the kid, one of the kids said, I'll never be able to do that. And I stopped the whole entire gym. There was an adult class going on, a kid's class, probably 50 people in the building. And you could hear a pin drop. And I looked right at him, and I said, I never want to hear you say that again. And if you have that thought process, this is probably not a good place for you. And his mother started clapping. <laughs> and the team started clapping. They were like, that's right. Like we're, We can all do this. And the following week, I wasn't there. My coach called me, and she said, You'll never believe what happened tonight. Uh, the kid that you called out that day, another kid said, I can't do that. He stopped the class himself, a 13-year-old kid, and said, yes, you can. And you will do it. You just can't do it yet. You have to practice towards it. I'm like, <laughs> a 30-second comment to a group of people to a 13-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> he, he took it, absorbed it, and he like lived it. It was like, stuff like that is just so yeah, That is amazing. Yeah. It is, it's unbelievable. Um, very, very rewarding. That is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So, so you guys are pulling a profit. You're reinvesting everything. Yeah. Um, what are, and, and this is the fact that you're doing this while working. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the other owners are doing, but what, what are your goals with the gym, like short term and long term? Yeah. So uh, obviously we can talk about all the fun stuff and getting all the stuff out of people. Uh, the reason why I decided to partner up with this was because, for business reasons, obviously, like I'm, you know, I would call this little niche my entrepreneurial yeah. uh, path. Um, you know, we all have full-time jobs. 
Um, I guess what my short-term goal would be would be to continue to um, grow the business, grow the brand, if you will, and continue to get members, um, and you know, hopefully sooner than later, start to you know, we are pulling a profit, but settle on something that we can say, all right, we're going to pull on a quarterly basis above and beyond operating expenses for three months, which is what we've kind of established. We said we always want to have um, operating costs in the bank for three months. God forbid something ever happened, our legs all got cut off. We're good for three months until the ship sinks. <laughs> um, and, you know, probably decide to, you know, each take a profit share at that point. Uh, and then if we decide one quarter that, hey, let's buy five more rowers, we'll keep our money in, well, then we'll do that. So I guess that's probably kind of a short-term and long-term goal. My long-term goal is obviously that my kids grow up through this and become athletes and they can coach. And this is something that I can leave for Jimmy and Anna. Um, maybe, uh, you know, 15 years down the road, 20 years down the road, it's, you know, worth some decent money. And somebody comes in and says, how about you guys stay on and be coaches or whatever, but we're going to buy you out. I don't think that's ever going to happen because we're all too passionate about what we've made and built. Um, so that's not on my list of things. But as we all know, you never know what happens down the road. Yeah, 20 um, years is a long time. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if I had to pick one thing, that would be my ultimate goal. That it's it's I'm drawing some money off of it, having a great time doing it. I've got a great facility, and that uh, my kids can maybe even grow in and take it over from it. You know, it's. Um, Kind of the sky's the limit, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of things we could do with it. Do you have any um, any plans to, or have you thought about um, maybe doing what you said and just like going all in on it and leaving behind your your job at some point? You know, it's funny you ask because I I literally sent a text to the other two owners the other day and said, maybe I'm alone in my thoughts, but I can't help but wake up every day and say to myself, if I just gave up. Our regular jobs, and we went in all in on this. I know that we could make this, and we could all make a great living off this because we would all focus on this. Now that is a huge leap for us all to do that because we all have great jobs. Uh, we have great salaries that we rely on with benefits and company vehicles and all that type of stuff. Insurance these days is a big deal, uh, especially with kids. Yeah. Um, so it you know it would be a huge huge setback. Would probably be possibly living in the loft for a little while up at the gym. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, yes, the thought goes through my mind all the time. And the reason why it does is one of my mentors that I um, look up to and I've met and worked with a lot uh, in the past was uh, Ben Bergeron, who owns CrossFit New England. Uh, he used to come down and visit in the summertime at the gym that I used to coach at. We've gone to his, he has a business of excellence seminar that's actually for CrossFit businesses. Uh, he actually has a podcast as well, um, and he the guy's got it figured out. And he said he had the same thing, great job in Boston, white picket fence, the whole thing. <laughs> and one day he goes, what? And it was actually 9-11. And he said, what am I doing? Really? It was 9-11? It was 9-11. He was in a 30th floor building in Boston at State Street. And he goes, what am I doing? Like, this is, this is great. I've got a good job. I'm making good money. I have insurance. The whole thing. Everything that I've got everything I've been wishing for my entire life, yeah. he had an epiphany and said, this isn't what I want to do. And he now runs and established is probably one of, one of the largest, if not the largest and most successful facilities in the country. 
his athletes that he trains. He trains competitive athletes, and then he also has your moms and dads and grandparents. Um, but he currently is training the fittest woman on earth and the fittest male on earth. Um, they both won the CrossFit Games last year, and they are his athletes. <laughs> so it's uh, very cool. cool. He uh, yeah. yeah. So. But yes, to the very long answer to your short question, yes, I think about it all the time. Yeah. 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 As it, um, I mean, you'll never know if you're going to do it until you do it. I'm Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> yes. And, and it, you have to know that there'd be some sacrifices because, you know, I'm not going to be able to place what I'm doing right now and what I'm able to generate for an income. Um, but I, th- I think that the fact that there's six of us uh, between husband and wives all pitching in and doing things, I think it's helping. If it was just myself or just two people, I think it would just be overwhelming for us and it wouldn't be done well. Like there's that old school way of saying like you can do one thing, excellent. You can do two things really, really good. You can do three things pretty good. Four things, you're good at all of them, but some of them are sacrificing in some ways. And every time you add one thing, you're going to get worse at one of the others, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, not that you're intentionally doing that, but... It's just how the way it goes, fits. man. Absolutely. You only have so much energy to put yeah. into something. Yeah. And running a gym, that, that can't be easy. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, the way CrossFit gyms work, because there's early morning classes and afternoon classes, uh, it's not in the meat of the day for the most part. I, we're lucky enough to have a full-time coach who coaches, and she can basically coach whenever we need her to. Um, so that's a huge plus. And currently, right now, what we're really excited about is that our staff is growing and growing strong. Uh, we've got... Uh, some new coaches that have just uh, signed on with us. They went and got certified, and they are doing really well, which is making it really easy for us to step back a little bit from us coaching, still be on the floor, but help coach our coaches to be better. Like my ultimate goal is that my coaches are better than me. Yeah. Like I, if if I'm gonna run my business, I always said that if I'm running a business and I'm thinking and am the best coach there, I'm gonna fail. Everybody needs to be here and stay there. Um, so we're really excited about that right now because our staff is growing and it's, it's doing really well. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It really is cool. And it's, it's cool that you talk about, um, potentially your, your son and daughter kind of growing up in that world. And yeah, I know they're, they're already hanging out in the gym. Oh, they're gym rats. (laughs) Yep. They both work out. Yep. They do. Yeah. That's cool. Actually, um, yeah, Hunter wants to go and lift weights with Jimmy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the calling the bat, the the the, uh, the new generation Bash Brothers, I think. <laughs> no, they got to do some. Um, they got they got like what another month of off season training. Yeah. Before yeah before, before the, the season, season hits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, cool man. So, how much effort do you guys put into like brand building CrossFit sixteen twenty the brand? Yep. Um, how much effort do you guys put into like social media and, you know, I see your stickers and stuff around town, but you yep. know, but it's more than that. Right. Yeah. So do you guys even talk about that? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a big deal. I, I think with, with the business of CrossFit, it's the way the philosophy and the way we've built the brand is that is through our athletes. Um, you know, not having billboards out and not you know, don't get me wrong. We we do flush Facebook with with pictures of our athletes doing great things or announce great things that are happening at the gym. Um pictures at big events and we just had a group of people go do a Spartan race and stuff like that. Um, but it's the thought process behind it is not to say, Hey, look, 1620, 1620. It's to, to say, Hey, look, here's one of our athletes doing something amazing. And Oh, by the way, it's at 1620. So the biggest thing, um, Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit, he basically said, if you're spending money on advertising and all those types of things, yeah, it might work. 
But what is going to work the best is making, if you treat your members as a bank account and you make withdrawals all the time, what's going to happen? You keep making a withdrawal, you keep making a withdrawal, <laughs> bad things are going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. At some point, you're going to have no money or no athletes. Um, our mindset with building the brand is that every decision we make with the business, the very first thing, the very first filter that every decision goes through is if it's going to benefit the members. Whether it's buying a piece of equipment, if I put a sticker on the front door, if we decide to get blue shirts instead of pink shirts, uh, the very first filter that goes through is, is that going to benefit the members? Do the members get something out of it in a positive way? And I will tell you that after a year being in business, it has worked. Um, we don't put advertising in newspapers. We don't have a TV commercial. We don't have any of those things. Yes, you see bumper stickers. Um, yes, people are wearing our t-shirts. Uh, it's making those deposits and emo- call it an emotional bank account. So you make those deposits in your athletes, spend 10 or 15 minutes with them after class, <laughs> before class, talk to them, use their names. Uh, that's one of the rules for our coaches. You have to use every athlete's name three times in a class. Um, it's not, hey, well, the, man, yeah. what's going on today? <laughs> uh, and not just, hey, how about the rain today? Like have a meaningful turn to them. Don't put your hands in your pockets. Don't lean. Look them in the eye. Have a meaningful conversation with them. Um, we hold our coaches very to a high standard. And um, so that's kind of how we build the brand because we have now, we are known to be the CrossFit gym that you check your ego at the door. It's different. You go there. They don't care what you lift, what you look like, what your nationality. It doesn't matter what your, your beliefs are, any of that. It's different. You just have to come try it. And CrossFit has kind of developed this thing where people come in and they think they're going to walk into a room of 20, 25-year-olds with like 3% body fat <laughs> lifting you know, gorilla weight over their head. Yeah. Um, and we have created something that um, is simple. It's easy to do. It's not hard to have meaningful conversations with somebody. It's not hard to know somebody's first name. Uh, it's not hard to get to know somebody and find out what they like or don't like. Or um, These things are not hard. They're not hard. It's no. not. It's, it's <laughs> so easy, actually, that it's scary. Yeah, dude, I love it's It's, it's 100% obvious that you actually, and I'm assuming this goes for the other owners too, mm-hmm. you actually legitimately care about bringing value to every person that walks through that door. Yeah. Like, uh, talking to them face to face, knowing their name, you know, not like talking about numbers and like membership stuff over and over again. And right. Pushing those ads out into Facebook and all that stuff. And like, rather, rather than doing all the, you know, that crap, you just, you just leave an impact on a person. Absolutely. Through a positive experience. And, you know, let them do nothing. Nothing is forced. Yeah. Right. People come in and they love to people talk about CrossFit as a cult. And all that people do is talk about CrossFit. (laughs) And it's like, I I guess if you look at everything, everything is a cult. Exactly. We've talked about this before. (laughs) Um, But it's it it, it is just different. You know, and it's it it is morphed and it is moved itself into something that is even better than what I thought it could be Um, on a I mean, daily basis. We get people that are like, you guys are just amazing. Um, thank you so much. I mean, the two words that is another thing that's like easy is thank you. Members come into my gym and they leave. They're like, Hey, have a good night, Jim. Wendy, thank you. (laughs) And they kind of look at you like you have three heads sometimes. And they're like, for what? I'm like, for coming in tonight. Yeah. 
It's great seeing you. Then like, are we really like, have we become that kind of a society where people are like shocked when somebody says, thank you. Yeah. It was great to see you today. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what are we doing? Dude, even a face to face conversation is like, is going out the window. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I have completely shocked people as well. Just like having a conversation more than just like the average, like, Hey, how's it going? Then walking away. Yeah. You know, you just an extra, you know, how, no, really, how are you? You know? Yeah, right. And, uh, it, and that could be literally just your body language. Like, if you're standing there leaning at a desk and you're kind of like, your shoulders are pointed in a different direction and the person next to you is like, so, how was your weekend? <laughs> is that telling me that you're really interested yeah. in what I did over the weekend? Or like, but if I'm standing square to you and I'm like, dude, yeah. great to see you. What'd you do this weekend? <laughs> right? That person now knows that I really want to know what they did that weekend. Yeah. And it, it shocks people. Really to does. the point where it almost makes them feel uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. And I tell all of our new members, like, I want you to walk, the next time you walk through this door, today was the first day, so I'll let it slide. The second day you walk through this building, I want you to try to kick my door off the hinges and yell as loud as you can and say, <laughs> hey, I'm here. <laughs> right? Like, confidence. Right? And just be comfortable. Like, yeah. this is, we want to, everyone these you know, has a busy life and work and kids and everything else. Like, we want to create something that you can come and have the best hour of your day. And again, I could say it a million times. It is not hard. Yeah. People are like, wow, you're just such a good people person. I'm like, no, <laughs> man. I just thoroughly talk. enjoy talking to yeah. people and show them that I'm interested in them. You know, it's, uh, it's, I could talk for hours on that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it, if you, uh, I want you to try this tomorrow. I'm sure you encounter this anyway mm-hmm. a lot, but next time you're in um, like a coffee shop or something, uh, make an effort to, to to follow this through look at the somebody anybody not the person you're ordering coffee from somebody at a table mm-hmm. smile at them and say hello absolutely dude it will blow their mind yeah it's amazing mm-hmm. they like people just like they almost don't know what to say like they don't know how to react to the word hello right they smile hey how are you <laughs> yeah it's it's unbelievable i mean we have we have another uh, rule in our gym you know, and it, it was a rule but now members kind of morphed into it and they do it on their own you have to introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know so if you walk in the room now i know let's say you're coming to the gym i know for a fact that there's three people in this room that you don't know and they don't know you if you're already a member it's on you and i hold you accountable to go introduce yourself (laughs) now i've had new members come and be like hey how you doing i'm alex or hey how you doing i'm jim all of our new members do it without us even asking and we i mean it's funny we've got members that call people out on negativity things of I have to go take Johnny to soccer practice. No, no, you don't have to do... No, you don't. They're like, no, I do. He's going to be late. (laughs) Like, no, you don't have to do that. You get to do that. Yeah. (laughs) You get to go home after working out and working a great job today and go pick your son up and bring him to a soccer game. You get to do that thing. So it was like this number where we're like, we're going to start turning have-tos into get-tos. And everybody was like, oh, come on. And I'm like, just try it. You know, like, and now every time it's like, I got to go. I mean, I get to, I know Jim, yeah. I get to, I get to go do that. And it's, it's kind of become into a joke. It's pretty funny. Like I get to go home and cook dinner now. <laughs> Dude, this is a, this is a perfect opportunity for me to transition to my next point. Yeah. This is something I wanted to talk about with you specifically for a while now. And it's uh, it's that positivity versus negativity. Mm-hmm. Now I talk a lot on the podcast and I talk, I, I annoy everybody in my life about about positivity. Yeah, um, I've, I've talked. I'm, in, I'm in that group with you, dude. It's 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 wonderful. It's changed my life. But yeah. um, you know, positive energy, positive thinking, optimism, and everything. I'm a realist too. 
let's not forget, you know, I understand practicality also, but, uh, since I've started thinking more positively and, um, you know, putting that out there and trying to share that with everybody in my life, it's, it's changed my life. Mm. Um, but one of the things you just said about having the opportunity, I don't have to take my, my son to hockey practice. I have an opportunity exactly after waking up breathing oxygen mm-hmm. you know being able to eat and walk around and go to work and interact with people and and eat something and you know see the sun shine and, you know and, and all that stuff and then go work out take care of my body i have the opportunity to take my son who i love more than anybody in the world to hockey practice mm-hmm. and watch him you know work work his butt off and and do something positive for him developmentally you know, which is like fulfilling to me. It's like it, there's so many positive things, and I could look at all of that stuff with such a negative overtone, mm-hmm. like a lot of people do, or I could look at it as the opportunistic, you know, thing in my life that it is. Yeah. And uh, it's clear that you obviously, you know, have that going on too. Yeah, I've, I've, I've totally, and I will fully admit that I was not that way. I wasn't either for a long time, and no. and not just not that way. Like it, it was bad. Like. The complete op. My wife could attest to this. If she was here, she'd be shaking her head in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's uh, what it does for your mind. And, and I hate to even, you kind of, like you said, you kind of feel kind of funny and you, you, you drive people crazy with the positivity. My own mother is like, seriously, like, are you going to like start singing Kumbaya in the corner? Yeah. I'm like, no, mom, I'm serious. And what it does is it, when you hear other people talk, you instantly are like, stop, like, stop. Think, think about the things you're saying. Now think about like two things that twist it the other way and you can always do it. And don't get me wrong. There's days we have all had them that it's hard to find positivity in something. I will tell you with full confidence that it's not hard anymore. I've been doing it, I think, long enough where some may argue with you because I do have reactions to things sometimes, but I will still, <laughs> I st- maybe not say it out loud and maybe my body language doesn't do it sometimes, but I still will find like, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Well, everybody's human. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yep. So, you know, you have moments. Yep. And moments are okay. Well, I, I strive to have zero moments, Yeah. but that's striving for perfection and perfection is impossible. Yeah. Um, but it's, I firmly believe that it's, anyone is capable of, Basically, not to to coin cliche terms, but to look at everything yeah. half full, man. Yeah, I mean, I think, and and you can attest this because Hunter and Jimmy are actually almost the exact same age. They have birthdays both yeah, in August, days apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are at a very sensitive time in our lives for our kids because not. And you talked about this in a past podcast that I thought was great. Um, your kids, even when you don't know, are watching how you react to everything. They are watching your every move, every step, every comment, every reaction to something. It is amazing. Um, and you hear people say that all the time, but it is, it's, it's amazing. So, and I think that's probably one of my biggest drivers right now is that I've got an audience right now all the time, 24 seven, um, both my kids, they wake up at six, six thirty in the morning. They see me get up. They see me get in the shower. They see me go and check my email for work. They see me get organized. They see me communicate things about the gym. Uh, I talk to my wife about what you know what our schedules are, and they're experiencing all of this. They're doing all of this, and you watch your kids do things, and I'm like, they're doing the same thing. 
Yeah. Like they are wa- so if I always react the same negative way to something, my son's going to do the same thing, right? If so I'm, you are if, the number one role model, man. Absolutely. And it's that right there is, aside from everything else, is one of the biggest things that just keeps me a full head of steam on that thought process because... And don't get me wrong, you fly off the handles, your kids can test you. You're, I will tell you that a lot of things you experience in life can test you. Your kids will test you the most. And I think every parent that will listen to this will agree. Um, but it is a great way to just level you and, and be like, no, you've like you got to reel it in because you're like they are your canvas right now. They are just you're molding them into what they're gonna be. I fully wholeheartedly believe that they're gonna take their own paths when they get older. But I came from two parents that were self-employed, worked hard. That's what I did. And my kids are seeing what we're doing. And I really do believe that that will, is going to set themselves up for success. Let's talk about core values for a second. Yep. Core principles, habits. Um, you know, kids, there's two things, two parts here. One, uh, like habits, they're habitual. They're, it's like muscle memory. You just develop it. And mm-hmm. a lot of times you don't even know that you've developed it until you like actually think about it, yep. right? Kids develop habits at a young, young, young age. Where, you know, you and I both know that. Absolutely. Yep. And like, so a lot of these habits they're getting from watching you. Yep. And they, it becomes so instilled like in their DNA, basically, you know, that they, they don't know any better. Right. They're not going to grow up like that. Uh, the other thing too is that, and I, I will stand by this like forever, is that kids, they learn through experience, not by being told. Yep. And it doesn't matter how many times you tell a kid not to touch a hot stove, they're going to touch the freaking hot stove, burn themselves, <laughs> yeah. and then they will learn that it's hot and to never do yes. it again. Right. And uh, sometimes you know. they need that hard lesson yep. that they learn once and that's it. You hope. <laughs> you hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, you know, it's our job to kind of like curtail as much of that as possible. Yeah. And, um, and you know, by by constantly hammering it into them just by doing your own thing. The fact that, you know, life is, is full of positive experiences yeah. and you know, it's, it's, it's so much easier to be grateful for, for things mm-hmm. than to, to muster up like negative energy. Yeah. I mean, I, this is getting a little weird here. I don't yeah. want people to like think, you know, we're, you know, sitting in the woods and like, you know, yeah, <laughs> no, we're, yeah, we're not, we're, yeah, we're not rubbing sticks <laughs> together right now by any means, but it's, uh, but it's true. It actually, you know, it takes so much, it takes so much energy and it's draining to be negative, but it's become yes. a habit mm-hmm. of a lot of people because it, it just, you do it a couple times, you see other people do it, you know, they're complaining that their coffee's too cold. There's not enough mm-hmm. sugar in it or the person in front of them is driving too slow or whatever, you know, just some, some mindless, you know, meaningless crap. Yeah. Um, we actually have a test. I, I did a test at our gym. So two things. One, we did this test and I went around, I think I had a class of like 16 or 17 people. So I circled them up. We we're asking them, it was a Monday. I was like, everybody have a good weekend. You guys are ready for the workout. I explained what we were looking for for the workout. And I said, all right, we're going to go around the room. Uh, they didn't know that I was doing this, but I set a clock. We have a timer up on the wall. So I set a stopwatch. They had no clue. I said, and we're going to start over here with, with, uh, with Angela. We're going to go around and tell me one thing that just on a daily basis just drives you crazy. Like just makes you stay, stay awake at night. And we're just going to go right around the room. We went around the room. And I remember the exact time, but I remember it was like, I don't know, two and a half, three minutes or something like that that we went around and everybody. But it was, I will tell you that it was like, 
instant. Everybody had it right, ready to go. And of course, the last person in line, like they had been thinking about it. But some people were like, oh, you took mine. I'm like, well, you can't repeat. So them, again, not knowing, I talked. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm looking for a round number on the clock so I didn't lose time. And I said, <laughs> all right, now we're going we're gonna to go the opposite direction. Now we're going to start over here. And, you know, John, I want you to still tell me something that you just probably don't think much about, but maybe overlook or they're just you're grateful for and it can't be money it can't be that you have a you know brand new gmc denali or you have a it can't be anything like that something you really enjoy and don't just tell me that you enjoy your kids or you're grateful for your kids like what about your kids like it has to be meaningful so they went around and um it took them like over five minutes so like almost double maybe and i'm like yeah (laughs) It, and and it was like every person, like a couple people, like right off the bat, had something pretty decent, and they were the people that I knew would probably have something. Um, but people were like, oh man, I got him. I don't like me. <laughs> so they stopped, and I'm like, guys, you have no idea, but I timed this. Like I asked you what drives you crazy on a daily basis, you gave it to me instantly. Like what does that tell me? Like you guys, you're looking for something negative. Like do you ever actually stop and think of something you're grateful for? And outside of like the tangible stuff, like that's yeah, cool. I have a Rolex, or like I've got a nice car, or I've got a really nice boat. Yeah. Like, something really cool, like hey, you know what? I am fortunate enough that I have five generations alive right now. My great grandmother's alive, my grandmother, my father, and my, and my daughter's been born, and she was able to meet my great grandmother. Like something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. People could not. It was amazing to me. People just they they couldn't do it. It was so difficult. And I'm wow. like, wow. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing. And what what is the um, what's the age range of this group? Would you say? Uh, I would say that that particular group probably ranged anywhere from probably say the youngest was a, a girl that was in college, so probably like a freshman in college, all the way up to I would say early fifties. Okay, early fifties. So it was range. a very big range. Yes. Right. So it wasn't just like a focused group of millennials. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And it was a, a mix of like men and women too. Yeah. It wasn't just all women or all men. And it was, yeah. uh, there was, it was, it was amazing. It was like, wow, we we have some work to do. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know. I can tell you right now, I did not grow up in the most positive household. Yep. And as a result of of that, um, that definitely, definitely like got me at the core yeah. and it stuck with me for stuck years um you know beth my 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 wife she's um she's so far the opposite direction she's she's the one that like kind of it took many years by yeah. the way but she finally without trying just being herself showed me that like it it's i i, I can be appreciative just the fact that i'm alive man absolutely and like that alone is enough i heard the other day the, the probability of being born a human is four trillion to one. Like those are the odds. Like, yeah, I heard this. Uh, this was on wow. a this was on a speech I heard online, and it was like, you know, you, you're more, <laughs> you have a higher probability of being born like a frog. Yeah, you know that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. If you, yeah, you want to exactly. go there, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Which I thought was I thought was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. But uh, so all right. So you got you have two kids. Yes, you have a, a daughter and a son. Yep. Um. I'm curious. There's four things. Um, four four things that I think about a lot uh, as a parent, and I'm curious of how you approach all four of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'll kind of run through the list real quick, but then I yeah. kind of want to like go through each one. Yeah. Um, one, uh, independence. Two, is kindness and positivity, which I, I think I know the answer to that one. Uh, three, toughness, 
and then the fourth one is, is confidence and self-belief. Yeah. Right. So those are the four things that, again, I just um, I think about those a lot, and a lot of people interpret those different ways. Um, but so we'll start at the top. So how do you how do you approach independence with your kids, teaching independence? Yeah. So uh, as far as independence go, like for me, the biggest thing for my kids is telling them like, look, you you never select your friends. You never uh, you, I want you to be your own person and that's very cliche to tell an 8 and 6 year old but they don't understand like what's coming in life so I try to explain to them and my, luckily my kids will be 8 and 6 next month so they understand a lot that you tell them so it's like look dad was in high school like I was friends with everybody like I wasn't part of a clique I wasn't a part of any of these things like I was a very independent person I would have no problem going off and getting a job and earning money and um had no problem being in an independent adult at a young age. So as far as, you know, getting them to understand what that means at their age, like giving them chores, giving them something to strive for. And like, well, why do you want us to do chores? Well, you know that fidget spinner that you're wanting to buy or, or those types of things. So uh, I guess my definition of what I would try to do is um, keep an open mind. Be, just be yourself. Don't don't worry about what people think of you. What I mean, kids struggle with that nowadays. Like, I don't ever want to hear you say that you're not going to wear that red shirt today because somebody made fun of you wearing a red shirt. Like, you be yourself and don't. It doesn't matter what other people think, and that's hard to tell a child. It does, you know. And then as and I know my battle on that is far from over because, especially with a girl, <laughs> uh, she's going to get into her teenage years and like image and everything is everything. Right. Um, <laughs> And it's actually, it's honestly one of the, my biggest fears is, you know, seeing what kids go through in school with pressure and social media and everything. Like I, it's, I'm not afraid of a lot of things. That's one thing that I think I'll, I think I'll do a good job and I think my kids will be open with us uh, because we've established that relationship with our kids. Um, but be in, I mean, literally the answer to that would be be independent. When you're old enough to understand exactly what that means, you'll know why I've been saying all these things yeah. to you, you yeah. know? Um, I think that that would be probably how I implement it now. Like, don't worry about what people think of you. You know, do what you want to do. Yeah, you do you. Not thing. because she wants you to do it. Right. Or, or you think it's the cool thing. Yeah. It doesn't that. matter. Yeah. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes. Have to their same. own freedom. Yeah. And that's yeah. the same for both of them, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's different because it's boy and a girl, but right. very, you know, the, the uh, foundation of it is very yeah. much the same. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, what about. So. Positivity, obviously, you drive a, a very positive household, but kindness, that's a little yeah. bit different, right? It's yeah, so from the positivity standpoint, um, like I said, you know, them seeing us find positivity in everything, uh, we actually make them, before they go to bed every night, uh, which can kind of be physically and mentally taxing on adults, because <laughs> sometimes your kids just don't want to go to bed, we have a chalkboard on our kitchen wall, and they have to write down what they loved best about that day. That's awesome. And it can't be like... Oh, you, make, I, you make them do that every day. Oh, they, and they have to write it. That it's is not awesome. like I write it. Like it, Jimmy might misspell some things, sure, and it sure. might be this big, but doesn't matter. Uh, the just the fact that they're thinking about it, and they literally it doesn't. What what I love is it that they don't sit there with their thumb on there and their finger on their mouth. Like what? It's instantaneous. Yeah. And it literally is. It's like it's not. You can tell it's not something they just pulled out of the sky. Like <laughs> oh, I jumped on the trampoline today. Like it's literally something that you know they enjoyed. And it's been everything from something a teacher said to them to scoring a goal in hockey or, <laughs> you know, landing my first handstand when Anna was doing gymnastics, like uh, ending their day on a positive note like that 
but they had to do it. They had to write it down, and then they look at them all week. Oh, they stay up there all they week. They stay. We, we cool. open it up, and they do it all week. And then <laughs> at the great. end of the week, they look at it, and then they erase it, and then we start over again. Oh, Unfortunately, funny. there's yeah. there's been weeks where we've missed out and done it, but we're we've tr- we're trying to get it back going again. But it's uh, it, it when it, we were doing it, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's always got them thinking too. We ask Hunter every night, "What was your favorite part of the day?" Yeah, absolute favorite yeah. part. It's kind of yeah. They don't even have to write it down. Yeah. The fact that it's going through their mind. Right. And there's days that they forget. They're like, "Daddy, we forgot to write it," and they'll be in bed tucked in. And we'll be like having an adult <laughs> conversation, and she'll be like, "Daddy, I forgot to write it." And I will tell you that I'm not like, "Go to sleep." I'm like, "All right, yeah, pop get up, up, pop go up, and go, yeah. go ahead." Um, and it's cool, man. It's it's. Uh, I think they get something out of it. You know what that does, dude? I that that's gonna get them in the habit of kind of like reflecting, even if they're not thinking yeah. about doing it specifically. They're gonna get in the habit of reflecting yeah. on positive things mm-hmm. that happen that day, every day. Yeah, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's. Uh, that's just a beautiful thing. I, I, not not enough people do that. Yeah, you know. So I think that's really cool. I mean, like, so the, in the kindness, um, prime example of kindness, something I would implement with my kids. Like today, my kids took the CrossFit Kids class, and afterwards, uh, I was working with talking with some members, parents, about memberships and stuff. And we actually have childcare, and the woman that does childcare was actually the wife of the gentleman I was telling you before that had de- uh, depression and everything. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, Jimbo, let's go. We're going we're gonna to go home. Uh, Mom's going to start cooking dinner. He's like, say bye to Barbara. And he's like, bye. I was like, and thank her. <laughs> and, he like, and without even like second thought, he looks, he's like, thank you, Barbara. Like, he's, he's six. He's going to be six next month. Yeah. Like, thank, and like, in his mind, he's probably, at the first when I had made him start doing it, he's like, thank you for what? Why did I thank yeah. them? I'm like, because you were, she was able to watch you for me and kind of keep an eye on you while I was taking care of some stuff, you know? And, um, I make both my kids do that. I make both my kids order their meals when we're at dinner. I make them thank the waiter and waitresses. I make I I implement all of that stuff okay. because there's no reason why you can't like you can speak. You can tell me you're hungry. Yeah. You're more than capable of absolutely. You know, so yeah. I it's, that's a big thing for us. <laughs> Sometimes people look at me like you let them order like absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then thank them. Yeah. For serving you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um. So this one's a little bit of a pivot. Yep. But what are your thoughts on and how do you push across and approach the subject of toughness to your kids? Um, kind of goes hand in hand with independence a little bit. Yeah. So from a standpoint of having them have their own toughness to basically defend themselves, um, whether that be verbally, physically, whatever it might be, um, but to be, again, I think it goes, like you said it very well, that it goes with the first part because... Being independent, I think, in a roundabout way, makes you tough because you're independent. You're not relying on other people, or you 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 will rely on other people, or you could if somebody offers help to you. But they don't. You're not always looking for it, right? You're you have an independent mindset from the get go, and I think that builds toughness because you, um, when you're independent, I think you learn from your mistakes. You're gonna make more mistakes than you do successes, and I think that you build toughness through being independent and learning from your mistakes and then building off your mistakes and not making those same mistakes again, I think uh, naturally just builds that toughness. Um, from a par- you know, from being a parent and like being tough on your kids, um, there's you know, certain things you kind of draw the line, some things you let slide. Um, but for me, at, at my kid's age, I'm not really so much worried about those things. It's more combining, building that toughness through being independent, you know, like 
did you like what you did today? No? Well, why not? Because I didn't like this. All right, we'll do it differently now. And now they are tougher. And I don't mean tougher, brute tough, but they are stronger. They yeah. are a stronger human being for learning that and building on it and getting better at it. Well, in that example, and I've said this before, this is not a parenting podcast, so I want that yeah. to be clear. <laughs> but in that example, you 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 asked your you know your kid you know what what didn't you like about that thing what was that mistake okay now do it differently next time yeah um that that is a practice in my opinion of of instilling toughness like you described whereas what you could have done yeah is kind of like approach them with some sort of like nurturing you know soft kind of uh, approach you know like let me make it better for you kind of thing yeah um, which, in my opinion, does not instill like maybe any toughness at all or no. any any resiliency might right. even be the right word. It's ease, I think, because uh, like I make my if they're upset or crying or even mad about something, why'd you do that? I don't know. That drives me crazy. Yeah. Or yeah. you know, what's the problem? And they just look at you because they're kids, and I'm like, listen, if you want me to help you or you want me to you know somehow guide you differently or whatever. You have to tell me what the problem is and don't just say, cause I don't like it or I didn't want to try it. Like I make them tell me what is bothering you exactly or why don't you like that? Don't just tell me you don't like it. Yeah. Why? There's yeah. a reason for everything. Thanks. I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm pulling out my internal five-year-old again of asking why after every sentence. Right. Um, but I make them speak like use your words and I, I see it all, all the time and I'm not praising to be like the number one dad or parent, but parents just it's because it's easy for them to just m- try and make it okay right and in my opinion i've been wrong once or twice in life <laughs> um you're you're only hurting them you think that you're you're doing something good because you're solving their problem instantly short term you yeah. did not teach them anything when they grow up to solve their own problems right. and you have now created this 19 year old that comes home from college and is like Mom, I need to pay this bill. How do I do this? Right. They don't know how to write a check. They don't know how to like. So even though my kids are young and people might say that's ah, a little bit much, it, I re- I really don't think so. I don't think it's there's really such a thing as too early to instill no. those values. No, personally, yeah, those are very as a parent. Those are some things that I stick to and that I am very very passionate yeah. about. Yeah, and my wife is also passionate, and she it took some getting to some used to, <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's and she feels the same way. And it's it, we team up great with it, and it's we've seen the response and the positivity back from the kids on it. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is good. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we kind of we kind of already checked off the fourth, and so it was really confidence and self belief. Yeah. And I think the the point that you're kind of like trying to convey is that through instilling independence, will kind of naturally build that toughness and thick skin, you know. Yes. And then through that, actually. Uh, so like the, those two practices, um, you know, your kids will kind of naturally start building that confidence and yep. self-belief in themselves and, um, you know, setting constantly setting goals high, I'm, I'm assuming is a big part of your household as well. Absolutely. You know, always yep. having something you're chasing and yep. not just settling and uh, believing that you can be great and believing that you can achieve things. Yeah. I mean, my kids in, you know, Kim and I do this and I try to get my kids to do it like happiness is, is never on the other side of achievement something that I've learned from listening to some podcasts from Ben Bergeron and stuff. And I've really taken that. And if you really think about it, it's, it's not. So you think that oh, I want, I want the six figure job. I want the company vehicle. And once I get that, everything's going to be great. 
And then once you get that, you're like, well, now I want to make 150 grand and <laughs> I want right. two cars and <laughs> I want a boat now. And now I want to start a CrossFit gym. And so not saying that when you get there, you're like, oh, this isn't as great as it was. Right. But what does Tom Brady do when he wins his fourth Super Bowl? Right. The next day, yeah. he's not like, unbelievable. I'm the best quarterback <laughs> in the world. I just won four Super Bowls. No, he's thinking about next year. Right. Right. Like, I've done this. Let's act like I've been in the end zone before. Um, and that that's another thought process that we've really tried to implement, even with our kids and in the gym. That Guys, keep building on it. Like, don't stop. Like, why would you make one goal? Like, why would you say, see that stop sign 100 yards away? I'm going to drive to it. When I get to it, life is going to be good. <laughs> why wouldn't you go to the next one and then the next one? And like, right? So don't ever stop. Keep moving forward. Keep building on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Winners are never satisfied, man. Yes. Yep. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And not in a negative way though. No. No, it's 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 just that that hunger. Yep. Right? That, yeah. That passion it's to passion, yeah. to keep achieving. Absolutely. Right? There is no like beating the game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um now this is a kind of a funny question that I, I wanted to ask you specifically. Yeah. Um what are your thoughts on uh kids and people getting trophies and treated equal? In second, third, fourth, fifth place, compared to first place. Ah, uh, yes, the the participation trophy yeah. saga. Um, so, I think that so a couple of things. I think that positive reinforcement for kids. Um, you and I helped coach uh, the kids learn to play the hockey thing. Uh, I've helped coach flag football. Um, positive reinforcement to all kids, whether they're good athletes. Some kids just get it. Some kids don't. Um, positive reinforcement in the way of telling them to keep trying. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fall. It's okay to do these things because you're only you're, if you're not trying, you're not falling. If you're not failing, it's because you're not trying. If you're succeeding all the time, are you just kind of staying in that comfort zone? So as far as the trophy thing goes, and and I think it's very important in my opinion that kids understand that that team why why did they win? And we actually went through this, you and I, at the lobster pot mm. down the Cape. Um, our kids were in a, in a hockey tournament, and they actually were doing really well. They were doing better than I think we thought they were going to. We made it to the last game, and it was a tough team. And they, for the first time that weekend, like they were high on life because they kept winning. And the, the, the second game, I think they crushed the team like by a lot. Yeah. And they just thought they were going to... I don't think they had this attitude but maybe they did they were they like they just they knew they were gonna win oh uh, i know hunter had that attitude yeah. yeah and and i and i don't think that that was a bad thing like they went out confident like yeah. great we have a bunch of five to seven year olds that are out there and confident and they're gonna play their hardest and they did it was a long week and they stayed up late but coming off the ice jimmy said to me and he didn't cry he didn't lose his bearings he you could see that he was upset kind of like bothered by the fact they lost and i said to him in the car i said he goes well you know how come that other team scored more goals? how come they scored more goals i'm like buddy they, they played better than you guys and he's like yeah but we played so good all weekend i said you guys absolutely did <laughs> i said and you guys actually played a really good game at the end i said did you realize that the last like three minutes of the game you had the puck at their end the whole time, like you had a shot on that, Hunter had two shots on that. Like you guys almost not only tied it but won it. And he's and he's just he's absorbing everything I'm saying to him. But at the same time, it was tough for him to kind of say, "What, what does he mean? Like, is it okay to lose?" And I'm saying, "I'm like, it's not okay that we lost. Like, it stinks that we lost. Like, I'm mad that we lost." 
you know, Coach Alex wanted to win too. We are all very proud that you guys played hard, but they were better than you today. And, you know, he goes, so, and he asked the question. He said, so do we get trophies? And I said, they, so, and I think we all got a small. It was like a ribbon, right? It was like a ribbon or something, yeah. yeah. And he said, so did they, are they going to get trophies? I said, well, I think they get ribbons, but the trophy's going to go back to their home rink and it's going to say that they won the thing. He's like, well, I want the trophy at our rink. And right there, I'm like, yes, like that is, like, <laughs> that's the thought process that I want. So like he understood, like, he's like, well, maybe, maybe we can get them next year or something like that. And like, he's never going to play those team kids again. Right. Um, but it, it was, it was really cool to see him basically absorb, like I lost, it didn't feel good. And then he didn't get a trophy because I see it happen all the time, like, you can lose every game in the year, and then you know, like the kids like just like oh we get trophies yeah, and they're like right. running down the field, and I'm like all right, well it's great, but like what are we teaching the kids? Right, long term. Yeah, what's the lesson there? Yeah, you know? you know if you have a kid that's out there and he's just not trying and he just doesn't care, and it's just the parents forcing them into doing something, I feel like those maybe the people are the ones that are like they should get a trophy. They participated. And it's like, look, when I lost, like we didn't get anything. No, I, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't even get a ribbon to say I participated. It wasn't even anything. It was just, you went home. Yep. That was it. <laughs> and it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it it was not, not cool. Yeah. So to answer your question, I, I don't agree with, and I don't think it's everywhere. I don't think it happens everywhere. I think that a lot of people kind of brought that whole thing in. I think it's a lot of, it's maybe politic on a political level for like town sports um, not wanting to hurt kids' feelings, but at the same time, like, look, man, you're gonna fail in life. Things are gonna go the wrong way for you in life, and I feel like as they get older, they kids nowadays like they can't accept failure. And right. actually, when I went to the the USA Hockey Clinic, one of the college hockey coaches was there talking, and he goes, "I have kids now to this day come to me, and they're like the stud hockey, high school player, like the best player in the state." They can weave in and out of everybody. It's unbelievable. They go to college. They go to a good college, and they're right in the mix of everybody else. And they f mentally fall apart. And it's because they've never. They don't know what it's like to fail. And when they do, or when somebody's better than them, or they're not scoring thirty-five goals in a season, they don't know how to accept that. And they retreat. And he's like, "You have to become now a psychiatrist." Yeah. <laughs> and talk these kids off a ledge. So and, that right there is the problem. Yes. That I was kind of getting to. That's cool you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, I do remember now you bringing that story up like months ago. Yep. But that that's that's kind of my point. Yeah. And uh, I was just curious your thoughts on it because I, I agree with you 100. percent And and I'm not surprised to hear that that coach experiences that. Yeah. And uh, I think it starts at a young age personally. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's never just like some of the other stuff we talked about. I don't think it's there's I don't think it's real. There's really a point that's too early to start no. showing them that failure is part of life and not everyone wins yeah. period yep and if you want to win you got to be the best kind of yeah. you know yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> they work harder than the next guy beginning you can you can do both sides of it right you can teach that but you can also have positive reinforcement yeah at the same time it doesn't have to be negative no it's just the matter of fact yeah it's real world yeah like that this is what you're going to experience when you get older that's right you know that's how i was brought up and i i think i still naturally have those core values now you know yeah yeah cool yeah i think we both agree on that that yeah that point <laughs> cool man all right so uh so this is gonna be my last question yep 
And um, this has been great, man. I, yeah, no, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, uh, it's a long time coming. For everyone who's listening, this is probably like two months, three months almost yeah. in the making. Um, and there will definitely be a part two because uh, there's just so many things that I could talk about with Jimmy. He's, um, he's a really cool guy. He's got a ton of experiences that I think everyone could kind of resonate with. But um, So, you know, just to recap, you work a job, a job that you didn't think you could get. You got there through some really cool kind of personal mental achievement and development, which I think is awesome. And you have a beautiful family, two kids, wife, married. You got the whole American dream going on over there. Yep. Right? You kind of tapped into this entrepreneurial side a little bit, started a CrossFit gym, totally based around your passion. And um, my cat has decided to join us. <laughs> and you have developed this community, which is totally supportive of everything you've got going on which yep. is awesome right um so some people are going to see that as like oh man i don't know how he does it it's it's impossible i'll never be able to do something like that yeah um i want you to imagine for your for a second that you are kind of giving a keynote in front of those people mm-hmm. and they're looking at you and they're like dude jim carrera like he's got the regular thing going on but he's also pursuing this other thing he's got a full-time family you know his kids are in like club sports how is he doing it all you know, and they're looking at you, and they're like, "I'm strapped for cash. I'm I'm strapped for time. Um, I, I mentally don't have any 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 brain space when I come home from work." Mm-hmm. What do you tell them? So I've heard you ask this question in all your interviews, and I've heard everybody's response. And a lot of people have that sometimes have that blanket response. But my biggest thing is you've always heard the phrase, uh, "You're your own worst enemy." I take it a step further and say, "You are your biggest obstacle." Only you are in your own way from anything you want to do, whether it be starting a brand, be an entrepreneur, getting the job that you want, uh, anything, anything in life, professionally, sports, you name it, being a parent, um, you, you can do. And I think a lot of people say to themselves, I don't have the time or are you sure? Because there's a lot of people doing a lot of cool things. And they are just as busy as you, if not busier. Um, and I, I speak from experience in saying that because I was always the negative person that said, I don't have the time to do that or, or whatever. And you know, a colleague of mine does a presentation called Engineering the Impossible. So I would tell the audience, I challenge you to use the word engineering in a generic form <laughs> to engineer the impossible. Engineer your business create your business, create your brand, do that one thing that you every day look up in the sky and be like, man, that would be really cool if I could do that. I challenge you to do it, engineer it, make it happen because you will, it will happen. It's not just going to fall on your lap, but through hard work, dedication, and, you know, having core values and, and simple things and, you know, looking at things in a positive way, um, it will happen. And I think anybody that has become successful um, will tell you the same thing. That, that it works. It absolutely works. It's awesome, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap up this interview. My man, yeah. thank you so much Thanks for coming for having by. me. It was yeah, fun. This is awesome. Yeah. So until next time, all right? All right. All right. <laughs> so if you listen to that interview and you're wondering why Jimmy calls me Alex, that is my middle name and that is what I have gone by most of my life. My dad's name is also Gordon. 
uh, his first name, and we have different middle names. It's kind of complicated, and it's been uh, not worth the trouble sometimes. But anyway, so I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that interview. So Jimmy is what I would consider a true entrepreneur. Uh, he has a, a job, sure, you know, with another company, but he also has something else in his life that he is deeply passionate about for a whole number of reasons. And he went on to make that thing happen. And as he said in his interview, he's not trying to pull profit out of it now. This is not about the money. He's all about creating community, giving back, and really just creating an awesome experience and value for people, which is, it's really the punchline, right, for for entrepreneurship. That's the big takeaway. You create so much value and so many so many positive experiences for somebody and that will come back to you over time and if you're not in it for that reason you know, maybe you need to think about that right uh, so jimmy's definitely in it for the right reasons and i love his mission i love crossfit 1620s whole outlook and perspective on everything uh, so i will have him back i'm curious to see how that gym goes over time and some of the things that he does with that brand as they continue to build and scale so if you got value out of this interview at all, please share this with somebody. I would really appreciate that. I do not monetize or pull any money from this podcast. All I ask is that you share this with somebody and subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. Uh, so with that, guys, I'm going to wrap this up and I'll see you in the next episode. Music.